Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today is part 30 of our, uh, truthfully, actually it's about part 35. My notes say part 30. Pastor David's preached some out of Acts. I think we're about 35 messages in, uh, in this uh, message series through the book of Acts. Have y'all liked it? I hope you have. I trust you have. That's why you're here to hear some more. And so the aim is to be done with this series uh, in all seriousness by August. Okay. Are y'all good with that? Something like that. I didn't say what year. I just said August. (laughs) But it doesn't matter because uh, I'm here to preach the word to you, and I know that's all you really care about. But go ahead. Turn to Acts chapter 18 and also 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, We're going to park in Corinth uh, one one more Sunday. And, of course, I'm going to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ like a maniac on Easter Sunday. Um, but today is Palm Sunday, and so uh, I'm going to try to bring together uh, a lot of themes all in, in one message. But again, Acts 18 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you're taking notes today, this is kind of a long title. I don't like titles this long, but here, here you go anyway. The title of my message is this, From the Cult of Personality to the Power of the Cross. Let me say it again. From the Cult of Personality to the power of the cross. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help me communicate these truths from your word. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come open up our hearts and minds. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, the resolve to do your will. And we ask these things now in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, just to catch you all up on where we are, I know we've had you know, several speakers come in. Pastor Jacob was here, uh, he preached uh, last Sunday, and we've had Pastor David, and we've, we've kind of been all over the place with topical messages. And so just to catch you back up, remember, we're, we're in Acts 18, and all through the book of Acts, as you have seen, uh, well, it's Peter, it's Paul, we've seen the early believers going into the world, preaching the gospel ministering the word, and we've seen Sunday after Sunday from the text that there truly is power in the word. How many of y'all know that in your own lives? There is power in the word when it's preached and when it's believed. And so we titled this series, Go, because really that's what the book of Acts is all about. It's about going into the world. It's about going into cities and to nations and making Jesus known where he is not known. It's making him clear. It's making the message plain. And we do that, don't we, even today here in our own community. But we send people beyond because we know that there's no other name under heaven by which men are to be saved. It's only the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? It's just the name of Jesus. So that's why we go in our own day, preaching his name. And so we've seen this chapter after chapter, these believers going into the world preaching, and we see the results week in, week out. And so just to take you back to the city of Corinth, if you recall, Paul traveled from Athens to Corinth. They're they're about 50 miles apart, but he traveled there, and he spent time with Aquila and Priscilla. And, And while Paul was there at Corinth, well, he preached to the Jews, And he did that because he loved the Jews. He loved his Jewish brothers and sisters. And he preached to them. And as you hopefully remember several weeks ago, uh, as he preached, 
Many of the Jewish people he preached to opposed him and reviled him. You remember that? As Paul preached, I mean, the aim is that, of course, for people to believe. Some, some eventually did, but he faced a lot of opposition. And so several weeks ago, that, that's really where we left off, is that Paul preached in the synagogue, but they opposed him and reviled him. And if you remember, Paul went next door. He didn't give up. He didn't stop preaching. Paul went from the synagogue next door to the home of Titius Justice. He gets saved. And then, I don't know all the details, we're not told, but not only him, but Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue from next door, he gets saved. His household believes, other believed, others believe, and then we're told that many Corinthians believed. And so we have belief going on, we got baptisms taking place, lives were being transformed in this city because of Paul's faithfulness to go next door. Think if Paul had given up at the synagogue and just had gone home. But Paul persisted in his ministry and he went next door. And because he preached at this house and stayed there in that city in Corinth today, well, we read about Paul from Acts, but we also read his letters to the Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians. We have all of that because of Paul's obedience to go next door. Now, with that in mind, today, after the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock services, you're going to have the opportunity to go door-to-door in the neighborhoods that surround Midtown. And we're not going to knock on doors. You're welcome. We're not going to ask you to do that. We're not going to ask you to do anything weird. Uh, and how many of y'all have, have ever had that knock in the afternoon? And there was a, a nice JW, a Jehovah's Witness, or maybe a Mormon. We don't have any Mormons in this city. I, I don't know of many. We, we love all people. I love it when they come to my door. I like, I'm like, come on in. Now, especially when we lived in Arizona, we, we, got, we got them all the time. And uh, how many of y'all know they, they, didn't, they typically don't want to stay very long once they come in? Uh, and the idea is not to, to win an argument. The idea is to win people, isn't it? To win people. But, but, but I'm not going to ask you to go door to door, knock on doors and, and, and share your faith today. I'm going to ask you to go out and, ha- and hand out goodie bags with uh, invitations to our Easter services. And so we've already got, uh, how, how many, where's Pastor David? How many do we have? A bunch. A bunch. Praise God. We've got a bunch. Um, that, one for every house in the, in back here in this neighborhood. Yeah, there you go. So uh, listen, go out with us today. And we're going we're gonna to invite people to come here. That's why I'm asking you uh, here to come to the 8 o'clock services, because most of them won't. They'll come to the 9 or the 11. Let's make room for them. How many of y'all know God is mighty to save? He is mighty to deliver, and there are people in this city, in these neighborhoods, who need Jesus. And listen, we're going to go door to door and watch what God does when people respond, come here, hear the word, believe, get baptized. And how many of y'all, we're going to do baptisms the week after Easter. And if you have not been baptized, we're going to get the water ready for you, and you're going to go down in that water, come back up. You're already a new creation if you're in Jesus. But how many of y'all know there's something powerful about going down and then coming up, and that water represents your cleansing in Jesus. So we got a lot going on here, y'all. So um, let, let's, let's close in prayer. I feel like I'm to Father and Jesus. No, I'm not. But there, there's a lot happening, all right? And, and great opportunities for you to, to get involved as we advance the mission. But here's what I want you to see. At Corinth, Paul preached the word. At Corinth, Paul made a big deal about Jesus and his name. 
He preached Jesus. Many people believed in that name. But as we're about to see, some within the church at Corinth started following other names. What do you mean by that, Pastor Scott? Well, let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Corinth years later. He says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by, what's it say? By the, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where he starts here. That all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united and say it with me. United in what? The same mind and the what? Same judgment. He says, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow, say it. I follow Paul or I follow Apollos. And that's not Apollos, Apollo Creed. I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas, that is Peter, or I follow Christ. And he asks, is is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or or, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says this in verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you are baptized in my name. Verse 16, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Paul forgot some things like we all do. But verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to what? But to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, if there's any text the church needs today, it's that one. If there's any text in the entire New Testament, there are many, of course, it's all important. It's all from God. If we need any text, it's this one to help correct some things. But did did you pick up what's going on here in the church in Corinth based on what Paul said? There was quarreling happening in the church. Fights were breaking out. And it went back to the issue was that, well, people were identifying with certain leaders within the church who baptized them. And so what we see at Corinth was that there was this cult of personality that developed around certain leaders. Now listen to me carefully. As mentioned, this text is from God for the church for all generations. But this text is especially for us in this present generation, in the present age we live in, because of our propensity to take gifts in the form of people and turn those gifts into God's. Some said, I follow Paul. And hey, that'd be a good person to follow, huh? The mighty Apostle Paul. The one, of course, who wrote big por- a big portion of the New Testament. The one who was empowered by the Spirit. This apostle, this apostolos, this sent one who did signs, wonders, and miracles. I mean, Paul, I'm sure, was a hero to many people. And some people say, well, I, 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 I follow I follow Paul. We, we follow Paul. Paul is our small group leader. Now, how many of y'all would like to sign up for that small group? Yeah. I follow Paul. But then others said, well, you know, well, I follow Apollos. And you could talk a lot about Apollos, but Apollos was, 
you know, you can say a lot of things, but this guy was polished as he spoke. He was eloquent. He had homiletical harmony, exegetical expertise. Like this guy could teach and put things together and ooh and awe people because of his rhetorical abilities. Now, if you like public speaking, if you like rhetoric, like Apollos was your guy. Some say, well, I follow Paul. Others say, I follow Apollos. But then another group said, "Uh, I follow. We in the group, we follow Cephas, Peter. Now, think about that. That'd be cool, huh? Think if Peter baptized you. Think if Peter was your small group or discipleship group leader. How many? That'd be pretty cool, huh? Because Jesus called Peter the what? The rock, right? He said, you're, you're the rock, and on this rock, you know the story of Matthew. Well, I mean, think about that. I mean, come, come, let's follow Peter, because he's the rock. If you want a rock-solid marriage, if you want a rock-solid business, if you want a rock-solid Christian life, well, you come be in our group, let's follow Peter, and you can build your life on the rock. And think about the boast that could have come from that group, from the people. I mean, we followed Peter, the one Jesus called the rock. And then people from Paul's group would say, yeah, but Jesus also called Peter Satan. Get behind me. So you can just imagine the fights that could have broken out over them identifying with these specific names. And finally, someone said, well, I follow, we follow Christ. And so you had these divisions that were breaking out, forming, if you will, in the church at Corinth. Not a very long time after the church was founded and Paul wrote to address the issue as a good pastor. Now we can fault these people at Corinth for forming these groups, for making these unhealthy distinctions. But how many of y'all know, many of us today do the same thing. What do you mean, Pastor Scott? Well, let me develop this a little bit. Let me talk to y'all for a little while about this. Some say, well, I'm Baptist. And they're proud of, about that. Some of them, I'm Catholic. Always have been. Always will be. Someone said, well, I'm Pentecostal. I talk in tongues. I believe in the power of the Spirit. Some people will say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not any of that. I, I, I'm an OSC Christian. I, I, I go to OSC. Now, before you say too much, don't, I don't want to get you in a corner here. Don't say too much. Yeah, I'm of this group, I'm of that group, I I identify, or there's a whole message right there. (laughs) Let me stay on track, stay in the spirit, Scott. (laughs) I identify as a Baptist or a Presbyterian. Listen, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with identifying with certain movements who hold to certain biblical truths. I'm not saying that's altogether bad. Listen carefully. There is nothing wrong with having distinctives, but it is a problem when our distinctives create unhealthy divisions. Does that make sense? There is a time to say, I'm not following you. I'm following Jesus as this group articulates it. You're here, presumably, because you believe that when I preach, I preach the truth. Is that right? Obviously. Do I get things wrong? I'm sure there's something wrong in my theology. If I knew what it was, I'd fix it. Okay? But we're not perfect in our speaking. We're not perfect in our theology. We're always reforming and always growing. Can I get an amen? But I do my best 
to preach to you the truth from the Word of God, not my opinions. If it's my opinion, I'm going to tell you that. And you can do what you want with it. But my aim is to give you Scripture, to unpack the Scripture, because it's Jesus' words, God's words, not mine, that will set you free. And it's okay for you to say, I go to Midtown. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I want you to say, I, I am proud of you. If you, you say that, I, I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of what God's doing here. And hopefully you're proud of me. Are, are y'all proud of what God's doing here? I, 20 of you, pray, praise God. The rest will find out. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just, I'm teasing, but, but check it out. There's nothing wrong with having dis- distinctives and distinctions, but there is something wrong when, when our distinctions turn into divisions in the church. I'm talking about within the church as we claim to follow one person over another, as we prefer one group over another. Listen, y'all, we are one body with many parts. There are, you know, you have the head, the hands, the feet. I've even been called a rear end, praise God. And worse. But come on, we're one body and every part is important. I need Jimmy Tate. Jimmy Tate needs me. Walter Arsenault needs me and I need him. And listen, there are ladies in this church. You are called by God to teach the word. Miss Claudia Laborde and so many others. Listen, I need you. We need you. You need me. We're one body. And let's appreciate one another for who they are and the gifts God has given, but not identify with one, but say, we get all of them. How about that? That'd be pretty cool, huh? Listen to me carefully. We should be proud of our values. But religious pride should never be one of them. Let me say that again because you didn't get that. We should be proud of our values, our biblical values. But religious pride should never be one of our values. Unfortunately, that does happen. That is the case. Now, let me stay here for just a little while. Uh, I, I want to land, but the fog is thick. Let me hover here. Some say, I follow Stephen Furtick. Someone told me years ago, someone local, Stephen Furtick's my pastor. I said, oh, really? I was trying not to be sarcastic, but I said, I said, really? When was the last time Stephen Furtick called you? Or prayed for you. Nothing, I mean, I'm not blasting him, I'm just saying. He's your pastor? I follow Stephen Furtick. I follow, and I'm so out of touch, I follow the old guys and the old gals, but let me, is it Michael Todd? Some young people? So the the rest of you old people have no idea, like, yes, y'all are like, huh? I follow Michael Todd. I follow, I've heard this, I follow Scott Adams. Right answer. No, 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 don't say that. No, 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 no. Jesus is going to come down and slap me for saying that. No, no, no. And listen, we all have our preferences, don't we? And who we want to sit under and glean from. And there is nothing wrong with that per se. It's understandable why we have favorites. When someone tells me who their favorite teacher or preacher is, I, I, I'll often ask, well, tell me about that. Why is that the case? Well, but, I mean, he's so funny. And I'm like, I'm funny. And my kids are like, you're not, Dad. 
<laughs> you know, yesterday Presley, Presley said to me, she said, Dad, your corny dad jokes are so bad. And I said, baby, you don't like me being punny? And she's like, that's what I'm talking about. You know, all my puns. And, and so I'm like, I think I'm pretty funny. Some y'all are nice. You laugh at some of my jokes. But someone will say, well, you know, I like this guy or this gal. They're funny. Or, you know, I like Pastor Scott because when he gets preaching real good, the veins come out. And I like the teaching. and I, Whatever. And, and how many of y'all know there's nothing wrong with humor? It's good to use humor. Human personality is not bad. Listen, God gave each of us a personality. And preaching is a communication of God's truth through human personality. So we don't want to say, we don't want personality. How many of y'all have ever heard somebody preach and there was no personality? You're like, I can't handle it. Okay, We should esteem one another and thank God for one another. We should value the gifts in the form of people. But listen to me carefully. Although we appreciate and honor the different personalities and giftings, the point is not the pastor. The point is not the personality. The point always has been and always will be Jesus. And we've got to get this right because I'm convinced that some people love Michael Todd and some people may even love me more than Jesus. Some people are placing their trust in leaders more than they place their trust in Jesus. It, because a you know, pastor will fall and then people lose their minds. They're like, well, I'm not, I, I knew I couldn't follow Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus didn't sin. Where are you going? The fact that people are, are, are falling away and leaving, that just proves his word is true because God's word says that in the latter days there will be a great falling away. It's sad, but that should never surprise you. People are leaving today. Well, did you hear about this leader? That, I'm like, yes, I hear almost daily of a leader who has is, who is fallen into sin and is disqualified from ministry. And it's tragic. But listen to me carefully. While there are many rising and falling stars within the church, listen, church, keep your eyes fixed on the never fading glory of the eternal sun. Look to Jesus and never stop looking. Because listen to me, movements come and go, leaders rise and fall, but Jesus Christ remains the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is holy. He is righteous par excellence ad infinitum. There's nobody like your God. So keep looking to him as people rise, as people fall. They're not the point. Jesus is the point. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Pastors are not called to be celebrities. We are called to be servants of the most high God. So thank you for the honor that you give me. But I'm here to serve you, not for you to serve me. Though at times maybe you'll do that. Paul said as he started his letter to the Romans of all the ways he could have started it. He says it this way, Paul. Everybody say Paul. He starts with his name, Paul. A servant of Christ Jesus. He didn't drop all of his accolades, though he mentions, well, the fact that he was next called to be an apostle. But he was set apart for the gospel of God. Think about that for a minute. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Listen, as a leader, I plan on falling. Listen. 
regularly falling. I plan on it. I'm praying that I do that. Falling where? Falling into service. Going low to serve you so that you can be raised up to go into the world and change the world for Jesus Christ. I need to go low and fall daily in humility to serve my wife. I need to go low and fall daily down to wash feet, to serve. And think about that. It's not just me doing that. Think if we go low. Think if we fall and go low and serve one another and we esteem one another. Not develop cults around names, but we serve one another. Use our gifts in service to one another. Think about what a church we could be for the glory of God, truly being like Jesus, not just in the church, but for the kingdom. Think about that, y'all. I have a vision of that happening, and it's not just some possibility. It is something that we can absolutely do by the Spirit of God if we get this right. To fall daily. Paul says, I die daily. There's nothing wrong with having a platform. God gives people platforms. I clearly have one. As a matter of fact, if I could build this church, if I could draw it all out, I would be low and the people would be high. I hate being up here. I hate the elevation. And I know the idea is to raise the word, that the word, it's not me. I wish I were on the floor and this was built up where I wasn't preaching down to you. I was preaching up to you. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And I hate to even put my name in the same sentence. So I won't. Paul says to the Corinthians, he asks this question, was was Paul crucified for you? Who was crucified for all of us? Say that name again. Jesus. Say it louder. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And I'm convinced that in the church today, there's so much, so much praise of personalities and platforms that in many cases, you can't even hear or see Jesus in any of it. In my opinion, there has never been a generation more blinded than the light than the present one. And meanwhile, we have Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the light of the world, who gives us hope. He is our only hope. And let me be clear. Thank God for the people who disciple us. Thank you, Jesus. Because let's, let's, be, let's be holistic and accurate and not overstate our case. Let's be precise. We are the body of Christ. And so Jesus, Jesus' body, the church, has arms and legs and, as mentioned, eyes and all types of parts. So we don't just thank Jesus for who he is in heaven. We thank God for his body here on earth in the form of one another. 
And I thank God for Pastor Ray McCollum, for Troy Johnson, for Mike Gallons, for Pastor Jacob Aranza, for Pastor Randy. I thank God I can go down the list for R.C. Sproul. I thank God for the ones who've died, for, for John Wesley and John Calvin, and I can go back to Luther and Augustine. And I can go all I thank God for all of them who have in one way or another poured into me to make me who I am. And you should thank God for the, the men and the women who've been in your lives, who in your, as your freedom leaders who've walked with you through the valley of the shadow of death. They were Jesus to you in your darkest hour. Are y'all tracking? So let's not overstate our case. Let's, let's show honor where it's due. We honor people, but we worship Jesus and him alone. Can we get that right? Let's do that. Let's get that right. Because, as mentioned, today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. And as we celebrate this, we look back and we reflect on the, the, the scene or the crowd. They shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they laid down their cloaks and they laid down their palm branches and they praised they praised him for what they saw and knew about him. But, but as we go on with the story, as we look forward to Good Friday, of course, fast forwarding, uh, we, we see this happening uh, at the beginning of the week. But then we see that on Friday, we call it Good Friday, everything changed because it went from jubilant praise to adamant rejection. If you know the rest of the story, Jesus, of course, was, he was betrayed. Peter denied even knowing him. The Jewish leaders falsely accused him, trying to, to get him to, to the place where he would be put to death. And ultimately, he went before, Jesus went before Pilate. And Pilate didn't want to do it, but the Jews pressed him. And, and, and inevitably, Jesus was crucified. And listen to what Matthew says about this account. This is what he says about this horrible event that we actually celebrate this week. It says this, uh, Matthew 27, beginning in verse 27, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And they put a reed in his hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to, you say it, to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man, a Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. What a scene. What an awful scene. Again, what a contrast. On Palm Sunday, the crowd laid down their cloaks. But leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, we're told they put a crown of thorns on his head and a reed in his hand. They mocked him and they spit on him and they stripped Jesus of his dignity. Then they led him away. They drove nails through his hands and his feet. And there was Jesus before the Romans, before some of his own, almost naked, almost totally naked. 
on the cross. Jesus didn't have to go through any of it. He could have called 12 legions of angels to destroy the world and set himself free. How many of y'all know that's what all of us would have done? But Jesus bled. He suffered in his shame. And inevitably, he died for you and for me. One scholar explains it this way. Modern medical explanations for the cause of death on a cross have focused on either asphyxiation or shock. Crucifixion was widely believed to be the worst form of execution due to the excruciating pain and public shame. Hanging suspended by one's arms eventually caused great difficulty in breathing, which could be alleviated only by pushing up with one's feet to take the weight off the arms. But that motion itself would have caused severe pain in the feet, arms, legs, and back, causing the exhausted victim to slump down, only to be nearly unable to breathe once more. Eventually, the victim would succumb to suffocation if he had not already died as a result of the cumulative effect of the physical trauma inflicted on him. Was Paul crucified for you? Where was the wisdom and the power of God displayed in the first century? Many of the Greeks would have said, in the gods, in their power, in their ability, in rhetoric. In Greek philosophy, some would say in the, in the shiny, big, important people and things of this world, th- certainly that's where God would reveal himself. In the big and the flashy things and, and in eloquence and in rhetoric and Greek philosophy, a lot of people said that and would say that. that that's, if you want to you know something about God, look to that stuff. Where was the wisdom and power of God displayed? In the very last place that many people would think to look. On that Roman cross where Jesus bled, where he suffered and died for the sins of the world. Where was the power of God displayed? In the very last place, many people would ever look. But it was in that place, that was the very place where God displayed his perfect wisdom and his power in the death of his son who laid down his life for us on that tree 2,000 years ago. And Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, 22-24, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, foolishness to the Gentiles. I love verse 24. 
But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, we could say us today, Gentiles today, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The cross of Jesus is power. It's wisdom. It's the power of God. You say, how is it power? Because the cross of Jesus, what he did on that cross, not TED Talks, as great as they are, not life coaches, as great as they are, not politicians, some of them, as great as they are, only Jesus, only Jesus can make us right with God once again. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to be forgiven. He's the only way to find reconciliation. He's the only way to find restoration. It's through Jesus and His blood alone. And let me be clear. Many people were crucified for their own crimes in the first century. But Jesus was crucified for yours. For your sins and mine. Some call that foolishness. I call that the wisdom of God. Because while we were still sinners, while we were still in bondage, while we were still making idols of people, Jesus died for us. And because of his death, Death died in the death of Jesus. John Newton, the author of the hymn, Amazing Grace, I believe he was in his 80s, when he said, I'm getting old and my memory's fading. But two things I remember very clearly. I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. How many of y'all know we serve a great Savior? We have a great Savior. We have a great Savior. So, question, and then we're done. Why would any Corinthian or American get caught up in any other name or personality? We appreciate them. We honor them. But why would you ever get too caught up in me or me and you or you and them. We love and appreciate one another, but we worship God alone. Now, let me say it one more time. Pastors, leaders, they rise and they fall. Movements come and go. But Jesus Christ, your God, is the same yesterday today and forever. There's only one name, y'all. It's the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your name, Jesus. Thank you for your name, Jesus. Thank you for what your name represents. Thank you for what your name means. Thank you, God, for the gifts that you've given in the form of men and women, those who've discipled us and poured into us. Thank you, God. But Jesus, our focus as we approach Holy Week, Lord, is you, Jesus, and you alone. And Jesus, we thank you that you bled. We thank you that you died. We thank you that you are the point. 
You are the point of history. Oh, history is his story. It's your story. And Jesus, you have the preeminence in this place. You are the firstborn of all creation. You're the image of the invisible God. Through you and for you, all things exist, Jesus. We live and we breathe today because we have life in you because of your goodness. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come by your spirit. Holy Spirit, come by your very presence. Spirit of God, reveal to us any idols we've created. Correct any faulty thinking that we formed. God, I pray right now, Jesus, that you would, by your spirit, break through barriers. Those who've had hardened hearts, those who've been disillusioned, those who've been discouraged, disenfranchised by by people who in the name of Jesus have let us down. I pray right now, Jesus, that that would fade and that Jesus, Son of God, that you would rise in our thinking. Come on, let's lift our hands right now to the risen Lord. Let's lift our hands. Come on, just begin to worship him. We worship you, Jesus. Son of the living God, we praise you. You're holy in this place. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Come on, say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Come on, one more time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Jesus, we love you. And I pray today as we leave this place that we would be like you making much of one another, esteeming and honoring one another. I thank you for all the gifts represented in this church. May we be stirred and may we be used for your glory. And so Jesus, by the way, you're awesome. There's nobody like you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody said,